If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Podcast from the Vivid Seats studio. He's Rich. I'm Matt. Oklahoma rose into the bye week. I think I just said row, like row, row, row your boat instead of roll. Like this is the yeah, way we de- roll. It we was roll. Definitely roll. Anyway, Sooners three and zero. Big Twelve conference play gets underway this weekend with at least one really big game we've got to talk about. Oklahoma on the bye week. Sooners winning their three games by an average score of uh, almost fifty six to 20, 55.7. 19.7. To me, Rich, the, the biggest thing I'm looking at with this team in the bye week, it's not the 3-0. It's not the Heisman hype around Jalen Hurts. It's really not even the improved defense. And you guys didn't see that. I use air quotations. Um, it's the health. This is a healthy team. I mean, it's sometimes – you go into the bye week going, man, hopefully this guy can get better by the time they play again a week from Saturday. But really, I mean, you got Marquise Hayes coming back against UCLA. I feel like the offensive line, was, we talked about this in our postgame podcast, I feel like the offensive line was was so much better, the cohesive. You know, I, I, um, you know, to me, best performance by the Oklahoma offensive line in the first three games. And, and I don't know that's a coincidence that that's when Marquise Hayes was back. Really, the only guy I'm, you kind of wonder about is is Kenneth Mann, you know, and, and how much longer he's going to be out. And maybe you, you target a return date against uh, Texas Tech here uh, a week from Saturday. But you look at this, you look at this team, Sooners ninth nationally in passing offense, uh, 352.3 yards per game, fourth nationally in rushing offense, 324.3 yards a game. What what would you say would be one of the biggest surprises for you this season for Oklahoma through the first three games? <laughs> that is a, an extremely interesting question for me because there are a couple things that immediately jump off the page. One of the biggest surprises I think you could say as an entire unit has been the defense, the aggressiveness the successes that we're seeing them have here early on in the season. Granted, it's I feel like Houston's still a quality team, UCLA a power five team, and then of course you've got the FCS opponent mixed in there. But with the successes is an easy one that you can quickly begin to gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. If I'm picking out specifics though, 
I've got to say, and this isn't my final answer. I'm just throwing out some options you can pick and choose from if you decide to. You can look at the play specifically from the cornerbacks. Um, I know when we looked at the secondary, we had a lot of concerns, a lot of doubts, simply because it was the same personnel on the field, regardless of the scheme. All of a sudden, you've got a guy like Parnell Motley, who statistically is one of the best cover corners in the entirety of the nation at this point in time. Opposite, you've got Trey Brown, who's come up with an interception, and you've got Brennan Radley-Hiles at that nickelback position, two young safeties as well. And you look at it, like I said, specifically the cornerbacks and the play and the ability to lock down receivers that they've been showcasing so far. That could easily be a surprise, but here's where I'm going to go. This is final say, final answer. I'm weighing in. This is official for me. It, it's got to be the defense and the third down conversion rate that has been allowed. Last year, just looking at numbers, uh, this was yesterday, and I noticed that Oklahoma ranked 119th in the country in third down stops, forcing that punt out of an opponent. I was expecting them to climb upwards in that, be somewhere middle of the pack, maybe 60th. Right, right around there, like I said, just dead middle of the pack. However, what I've quickly found out is that Oklahoma has faced 37 third downs on defense, and only nine of those have been converted for first downs. That's a 24.32% conversion rate for opponents, meaning that Oklahoma's biggest success and why I believe they're so successful on the defensive side of the ball has been the ability to hold one, get up, get opponents into third down situations, but be successful in those third down situations and get off the field. That number of 24.32 ranks 11th in the country at this point in time. Granted, things will change, but so far it is the biggest surprise for me, the ability to get opponents into third down and then find success and get off the field in those third down opportunities. Yeah, I mean, you, you said a lot there, and and it, it was all good. And going back to that, you know, the the corner, the cover corner, um, it's amazing how a good defensive, good defensive pressure up front, how that can change your cornerbacks, really your defensive backs as a whole. Um, you know, when 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 a quarterback doesn't have time to set up comfortably in the pocket, and and so I attribute the pressure that Oklahoma's bringing for a lot of the improvement, not, not to point out Motley and Buki haven't improved, but really I, I think the, the defense, when you, when you look at this defensive improvement, you really look to me, it begins with this intentional idea of we're going to get pressure. Uh, we're going to get pressure in the backfield. We're going to wreak havoc in the backfield. And, and really that's, you know, that's, that's something that, that they kind of said going in, we're, we're going to focus on that. That's why they wanted the, the defensive linemen to slim down uh, so they could be fast. Oklahoma, um, you know, with uh, 18, uh, eight tackles for loss, um, you know, on the season. And I mean, against you, I'm sorry, eight tackles of loss, eight, eight tackles for loss just a week ago uh, against UCLA. Um, you know, and that, that shows you how focused they are and really what, what this defense is doing. Now I expect as conference play rolls around, you're going to see some teams try to capitalize on that defensive pressure by by really just kind of throwing some screens and and stuff like 
if, if the, at that magnitude at this defense, that will really kind of put the linebackers and the nickelback kind of to the test to see what, you know, how, how, how well they're able to read and react to that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's been good for the defense. I, I I'm still not a hundred percent sold on the defense. I, I, I think, this is going to sound very pessimistic for me. Is this defense better? Well, yeah, but when you're dead last, it's hard not to be better. You know, right now Oklahoma ranks 58th uh, in FBS in total defense. They're giving up uh, 352.7 yards a game. They've given up eight touchdowns, uh, ranks in 63rd. Um, you know, they're, they're tied for uh, 39th. Uh, amongst FBF schools and turnovers that have been gained. Uh, they're 64th, uh, you know, in um, in yards. Uh, you know, they're 140 yards a game. They're giving up on the ground, which ranks them uh, 66. So this this is a, a defense that's, that is very much middle of the pack. And and what's going to be interesting to see for me as the, as the season wears on, as we get ready for conference play, a lot of people said, I mean, and I think we may have been some of them. A lot of people said, if you just have an average defense, this team was playing in the national championship game the last two years. If you're just average on defense, with that, with as good as they've been offensively, if you're just average on defense, well, they're average. I mean, this is not a good defense. I mean, we we got we to gotta get that in our minds, that this is not a good defense. This is a defense that's going to disappoint and going to frustrate with when conference play comes around. But are they better? Yes. But, again, when you're dead last, improvement, I mean, it's not hard to improve from dead last. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I, I know I'm, I'm Debbie Downer right here, but I, 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 I see improvement, but I'm not ready to say this is a good defense yet. And that's a fair assessment. The unrealistic expectation heading into the season after the hire of Alex Grinch was that Oklahoma would be a top – Ten, let, let's let's back off of that and say a top 25 defense no. in the country. It is the same personnel. I know we've hashed that out. I know we've discussed that, but it's an unrealistic expectation for Oklahoma to go from 119 up into the top 25. They also have, I mentioned this a couple of weeks, maybe it was last week, they also have one giant factor working against them, and it's the fact that Lincoln Riley deploys an explosive offense. That, just by its very nature, the ability to score at will, the ability to score on these long, whether they're drives or plays even, puts the ball back in the opposing offense's hand, meaning that the Oklahoma defense is going to be in more defensive situations than a team that is slow and doesn't score quite as many points as Oklahoma will throughout the course of the season. Granted, as we begin looking at the playoff picture, a lot of these offenses are explosive and find themselves in a very similar situation. But let's just take one team, for example, that isn't named Oklahoma, and it's Wisconsin. Wisconsin's played a couple of games this season, and they have yet to allow someone to score a point on them. For us to take an expectation based upon the first two games and say that that will hold steady, that they're going to be a perfect team once conference play hits in the Big Ten for Wisconsin, again, it's just unrealistic. Someone will score on them. Will it happen this week as the top 15 matchup takes place there in Wisconsin on their home field? It's highly likely that Wisconsin leaves that game and has surrendered 
whether it's three points, seven points, or 49 points, they will have surrendered points. I digress on that argument, but the reality for me, Oklahoma, you have reason to be excited, but don't build up unrealistic, lofty expectations of a top 25 defense because this team isn't built like that. It doesn't have that personnel as much as we may want it to. Yeah, and, and again, it's, it's the personnel. That that is the um, the the key thing here. You got coaches changes, coaches that have changed, but and more changes are likely on the way. But you got to change personnel. I mean, there's going to have to be a turnover in personnel, and that really breeds that new mentality, that new attitude. He's Rich. I'm Matt. We're going to talk about a couple of concerns we've got for the Oklahoma Sooners um, as they hit the bye week this weekend, getting ready for conference play, as well as conference play beginning this coming weekend. Big game down in Austin, Texas, as well as some other games around the Big 12. We'll give you our thoughts on that. He's Rich. I'm Matt. You're listening to the Sooner Nation podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back to the Vivid Seats Studio. Oklahoma off this weekend. Sooners go back into action a week from Saturday against Texas Tech Red Raiders. 11 a.m. kickoff. I know that's going to make Oklahoma fans excited. Um, if, you do, if you don't have tickets, we can help you get there. Vivid Seats, if you go to vividseats.com, uh, use the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. I don't know why I have to spell that out, but I feel like I have to spell it out every week. Promo code OVERTIME. You can save money on your tickets. Go check it out. Come see us at Texas Tech. Okay, Rich, going into, this, uh, into the bye week, Oklahoma's off 3-0. It's, I mean, you can't ask for a better start. I mean, 3-0 is 3-0, right? What are you concerned about with this team? What would you like to see them work on in, in this off week? <laughs> One of the this, – this is just a random question because everybody seems to want to be talking – about it at this point in time, and it's not a concern. When you look at a guy like Jaden Davis, who you could have labeled, I left him off the table because I thought you may have gone there with the biggest surprise. I actually didn't even give you surprise. I, uh, I mean, we talked about biggest, yours, but that's just fun. Biggest surprise of the season. I mean, real fast. Here, here's my big surprises. Number one, the lack of of overall carries between. Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks. Basically, Jalen Hurts running the ball more mm-hmm. than we thought he would. That, that's a big surprise to me. And then another surprise goes back to really what you were saying on that third down completion. When you look at Oklahoma's total tackles for the season, it's a number that's significantly lower through three games than it was a year ago. But it's because they're getting off the field on third down. Right. So those are two two things for me. Back to the concerns you were going to say. Yeah, the concern um, is how do you work – Jaden Davis, granted, he's a freshman, but he looks to be one of those guys who is talented enough to immediately earn a starting role. The The problem there is that the corners that are in those starting roles have lived up to what many people hoped they would be at this point in time. How do you work a guy like that in who has that type of talent, the spatial awareness, the ability to tackle to wrap up and make a sure tackle, something that's plagued this team in the past. 
like I said, that's a hot topic right now that people like to talk about. It's not the biggest concern. The biggest concern for me goes to what you were just mentioning with the biggest surprise mm -hmm. of this season. It's how do they even out the carries? How do they get the ball or utilize the talents of a Kennedy Brooks who had a stellar second half of the season last year, but keep a guy like Trey Sermon and Jalen Hurts still happy in the way that they attack on the ground. Oklahoma, extremely deep there. TJ Pleasure will return at some point. At least that's what we're led to believe will return at some point this season. And the depth just continues to grow at that running back position. Like I said, what I want to see Oklahoma work on in the offseason is not necessarily taking the ball out of Jalen Hurts' hands, but it's finding ways to put the ball into a guy like Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon, guys who have the ability to make things happen or, in Kennedy Brooks' case, is a home run threat every time he touches the ball. Find a way to get them more involved in the offensive game plan. And I think some of that's going to come with the maturation of, of Jalen Hurts. And, and, you know, Lincoln Riley spoke to that this week. He, he just said, hey, it's not ideal. You don't want your quarterback to be your leading rusher. But also, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I, I, think, I think that's where Lincoln Riley is with his offense. Does he want... Does he want Jalen Hurts to pass a little bit more? I think he does. I mean, I think if you go back and you look at this film, uh, I was, you know, I, I, I'm not wrong, but I'm not 100% right, if that makes sense. They are rolling coverage over CeeDee Lamb, but there's also some one-on-one -on -one battles that CeeDee Lamb has had that he's winning, but Jalen Hurts isn't getting the ball to him. So there, there are those issues where I know in the film room, Lincoln Riley's saying, if you will give us, you know, if you'll be a little bit more patient, if you'll step, just step up in the pocket instead of breaking through the pocket, mm -hmm. let this develop. And so, right. but again, when you've got a quarterback who's like number three nationally amongst all ball carriers in yards per carry at nine yards per carry, it's working. You know, it, the, the thing is you, you celebrate that it works, you know, 99 yards in the opening drive against UCLA. You want that, but what you don't want is your quarterback taking hits. And so I, I agree with what you're saying. For me, the, I would add to that also, I mean, a minor concern for me is still fundamentals. You know, um, you got to you got to you got to continue to to work on fundamentals. That, that's why I like the kid uh, at cornerback that you were talking about. Just he's a fundamentally sound player. You know, he, right. he he's fundamentally he, the, the, the physicality will get there. But if you watch him, he's fundamentally sound. And I like that because you got guys like Parnell Motley, who is a good guy. I mean, Parnell Motley is a good football player, but Parnell Motley was along with those guys that their fundamentals got bad. Whether it's a coaching staff, or it's the laziness of the players, or a combination of both, their 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 fundamentals got bad. You enter in some of these new guys, some of this new new blood, and you see good good fundamentals. I like that. Um, but really, the, the, I'm still, I don't know. I don't know that I'm a hundred percent sold. On the kicking, you know, um, and, and yeah, I mean, because it's just a pressure. I get it. You go to UCLA, you, you, you make both of your field goals, but there's zero pressure there. You know, there's zero pressure. Um, Houston, the time's running out. You're, you're against the clock. This is the final play before the half. That's pressure. I, so I, I don't know that I'm, you know, you're, you're playing Texas in the Cotton Bowl, and everyone knows Dicker the kicker last year putting the, the nail in Oklahoma's coffin there. If that's reversed and you got Sutherland out there, what's the confidence level that we have in the place kicking? So to me, that's still not something that that's been won over. But that, I mean, that's just me. 
uh, as a fan. I, I like where Oklahoma is, and I, I think that they're going to continue to get better. Conference play gets started this weekend. Um, the Big 12 right now has five teams undefeated. you got Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, TCU, all five of those undefeated. Tell me who you think. Give, give me – because you brought this up. This is a great question last week. Uh, power rankings are, are – um, you know, we've got Oklahoma one. we got Texas number two. We got West Virginia number nine. We got Kansas ten. In between those number one and number two and, and nine and ten, you just got a mess there. Give me two other teams, Oklahoma and Texas. Who else can be a spoiler in this conference race? Uh, it's going to depend largely. I, I want to throw Oklahoma State out there, but it's heavily dependent upon the running game, mm -hmm. continuing at the clip that they have been at this point in time. I don't expect everything to go according to plan. I don't expect a guy like Spencer Sanders to continue to find much of the success that he's had. And it's a welcome sight for anyone who's a Cowboy fan, especially after you went from a prolific passer like Rudolph and you're wondering who's going who's gonna to raise the bar back to where Rudolph left off mm -hmm. at after last year. Needless to say, Chuba Hubbard, I think, is the real deal. I think Oklahoma State still has some questions that they've got to answer heading into conference play here. And a lot of those are, are going to be on the defensive side of the ball for me. But consistency on the offense is what I'd like to see from them. And I'd like to see this defense begin to produce at a level that they have the talent capable of producing. That, that was an odd statement. I hope that made sense. I think Oklahoma State has positioned themselves extremely well at this point in time to play the role of a dark horse. And if I'm going to throw a second team out there, it's it's Gary Patterson's yeah. TCU Horned Frogs. Why? It's not because they jump into the top 25 this season, but what they you mean can, this week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. They, well, they did this season, this week. Well, okay. Okay. This week is this part week, of the season. This okay. week, I, I got though, you. this week. <laughs> That's what I meant. When you look at a guy like Gary Patterson, it's funny because I struggle not putting Iowa State in there. I struggle because of the expectations up front in the season, mm -hmm. but they have not looked like the team we thought they would be. Well, into they've this. been hurt, I, and I had I would say it was my pick mm -hmm. to be in the Big Twelve Championship right. game. Mm -hmm. I I think we all we all bought into that defense, which is a good defense, but um, their offense is, is just struggling. It's, right. it's hurting. Right. TCU's my pick though because they take a completely different approach to the game than any of the other teams here in the Big Twelve do, and it's a defensive first. Team. Right. When they find that success on defense, they can make things happen and they can be competitive on the offensive side of the ball. They're not going to blow the doors off of any stadium they walk into, but if they can shut down some of these opposing defenses, I mean, excuse me, offenses, these, I believe, these Big 12 defenses will struggle to recover from being shut down and playing on the field so long due to what the offense or the inability of the offense right. and moving the ball against this TCU defense. Well, I think you got to at least give Kansas State a brief mention the the, the win over Mississippi State. Um, They're like I, a unicorn right I, now. I like <laughs> I I mean I like TCU. They were one of my spoiler picks at the beginning of the season, but I mean I've got to stick with Iowa State. I mean just because I was in on them, so mm -hmm. I can't. I mean it's too conference play hasn't started yet, so I, I'm I'm not ready to say. Uh, with 100% certain that I'm wrong there, but I'm ready to say I'm very concerned about that pick. Uh, but I, I think we both agree with TCU. 
And we both agree. Uh, or yeah, I, I got to throw it, in Iowa State out it, there. When it comes to Iowa State, I think we underestimated the loss of a guy like Hakeem Butler. Mm-hmm. This this is a team without Butler who's only scored five touchdowns right. in two games. Right. You, Everybody focused on, on David Montgomery, mm-hmm. but you thought, right. oh, Hakeem Butler. Yeah, right. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Okay, so let me ask you this. Uh, you, you, you mentioned defense, okay, with their Big 12 – you know you've got some good offenses in the Big 12. You've got uh, four, five schools in the Big 12 who have scored over 100 points through the first three games of the season. Those five schools are uh, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Texas. Now, let me ask you this. I, I don't know if you if you were looking at my computer and you saw my cheat sheet. So, no, um, no. You got Big 12 stats in front of you? No, I just okay. I do don't, have no, points per okay. game and uh, yeah. total points. Don't, but don't, I won't no look cheat. At it. Yeah, don't cheat. Which which Big 12 defense would you suppose has given up the most points through the first three weeks of the season? The defense would be West Virginia. West Virginia. Now, yeah. here's what gets interesting. Okay, here's where I'm going. Which defense? Would you say is the second most has given up the second second most points? Most points yeah, this it's season. it's a trick question. Because no, no, some, it's a legitimate some, question. Which defense has given up the listen, second most points? Some teams have only played two games though, so I feel like the numbers are a little bit skewed in that. So if I had to guess, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say Oklahoma. No, no, actually. I was totally uh, teasing on that. Uh, okay. I, wa- I want to say Kansas. I just don't feel like that's accurate. Well, it is not accurate. Kansas actually has only surrendered 53 points in three games, which isn't bad for them. But the team that's given – West Virginia has allowed um, – I, I, I lost my notes here. West Virginia through three games has, has given up 78 total points. Second team, the second most points surrendered by a team through three games in the Big 12 is the Texas Longhorns. At 72. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. You want to know who number three is? The third most points allowed this season? Do I? Through three games. I don't know. Do I? Yeah, I think you do. I know. Man, man, oh, man. Texas gave up 38, I believe it was, to LSU. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma gave up 31 to Houston. Is it Oklahoma? It is not Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma's only surrendered 59 total that's, points this that's season. That's good, considering three 30 of those came in one game. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, it's 14 to South Dakota, 14 to UCLA. The rest of those points came to uh, to Houston. But Okay, so West Virginia has given up 78 points in three games. Texas, 70 po- uh, 72 points in three games. Who would you guess number three to be? Um, don't cheat. I don't I'm, look. Not, I'm just looking at a list of teams, and I'm going to say Texas Tech. It is actually the Oklahoma State Cowboys at 71. So when when we're talking about Big 12 contenders, <laughs> now Oklahoma State, they've not played. I mean, look you, look, you look at their schedule, Oregon State, McNeese, um, and then Tulsa. That, that's not a that's not a just juggernaut of, of teams. And really, you got Texas. You can say, well, they, they played LSU, okay? Well, they also played uh, Rice and Louisiana Tech. So to have those two teams, which are playing this weekend, to start conference play, to have them both – both of them are two of the five teams with over 100 points scored, but they're also two of the three worst statistically point-surrender defense – scoring defenses in the Big 12 – I guess what I'm saying is wherever you need to be Saturday night, get there in time to watch this game if you like offense. Because I think there will be lots of points scored in this game. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about who I think will, will win here in just a minute. Now, interesting 
you got something to say there? No, no, oh, no. I thought you were moving to say say uh say well, wait 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 a minute. Okay, so Big Twelve uh, Big Twelve conference starts this weekend. The Big Twelve um we're we're gonna um in fact let's just take our next break and then we're gonna come in and talk about Big Twelve versus the rest of Power Five. Cool with you? Mm-hmm. All right, the Sooner Nation podcast, Rich and Matt. Find us on Twitter at Sports Heartland. We'll love to hear from you on Twitter at Sports Heartland. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Sooner Nation podcast. Rich uh, DeCray and Matt Hofeld. Um, okay, Rich, I got some stats here for you, uh, how the Big 12 stacks up against the other conferences uh, in America. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now. Um, well, I'm not going to tell you right now. So through the first three weeks of the season, you got to go by win percentage. You can't go by overall record win and loss because the conferences aren't the same. You know, you got like, for example, 16 teams in the SEC. So obviously they've got more games that they're playing, but non-conference, this is just non-conference only because several of the conferences have already begun conference play, but in non-conference, which of the power five conferences do you suppose has the highest winning percentage? Uh, I actually believe that to be the Big 12 because we had just a handful of surprises. Kansas State going in and beating Mississippi Mm -hmm. State. You had Kansas who went up to Boston College, beat Boston College. Again, both of these games being on the road. I know that Oklahoma stepped out of conference with Pac-12 against Oregon State, ended up winning that game. And Oklahoma's also gone out to the West Coast against UCLA and has won that. The only loss that really comes to mind, West Virginia got a surprise win there as well. So Texas is the loss to the SEC. Non-conference portion of the schedule, I've got to give a hat tip to the Big 12 there. Yeah, Big 12, 22-5 and for the non-conference portion of the schedule. Almost an 82% winning percentage. Uh, All right, so who, who would you think is number two? If I had to throw a random a random name out there because I honestly do not know this one and have not thought about it either, I would say the Big Ten. Big Ten, 27 and 7, almost an 80% winning percentage. Mm-hmm. All right, number three? The SEC. SEC, 25 and 8, 70, almost 76%. And then who you got after that? I got the ACC because you the Pac-12 took a few more losses. are actually wrong on that. Um <laughs> Pac-12, 22 and 10, 60, almost a 69% uh, winning percentage. And then the ACC at 20 and 10, uh, 67%. They're, they're right there with each other. Now, I wrote down what I believe are the best wins and worst losses for each of the Power, power Five conferences. Uh-huh. And the reason why I'm doing this is because you and I have talked about what we believe are the best and worst conferences of the Power Five. Now, I'm not, I'm not naive enough to say that I believe the Big 12 is the best of the Power Five. But they are performing admirably before for the first three weeks. Best win for the Big 12, I believe, belongs to Kansas State at Mississippi State, uh, getting that big win in, in week three. But also the worst loss, I believe, is Kansas losing to Coastal Carolina. If you go to the Big Ten, the best win, this is this is where I, you know, I always say the Big Ten is overrated. Best win is Maryland beating number 21 Syracuse soundly. All right? But <laughs> the worst loss is Maryland losing to Temple. So the, you, I think the Big Ten, I mean, no one else in the Big Ten has played anybody. SEC, you've got the, the LSU win over Texas, but you've also got Georgia State beating Tennessee. You also had Mississippi losing to Memphis, but I, I deemed that Georgia State-Tennessee game the worst loss for the SEC. Arizona State over Michigan, clearly the best win for the Pac-12. Again, a, a kind of a, a slap in the face of the Big Ten. Arizona State, I'm sorry, Michigan State. Arizona State beating Michigan State. But 
Also, Arizona, the same team that just kind of took Texas Tech behind the woodshed in week three, Arizona lost to Hawaii. I mean, you got to keep that in mind. Uh, worst of travel. Worst loss. Jet lag. Worst loss in the Pac-12. And then also uh, ACC, you can't, can't move away from there. Uh, best win for the ACC, Clemson over Texas A&M, in my opinion. And then worst loss, well, you mentioned this game last week. West Virginia over NC State. That's how I break down uh, the Power Five conferences. If I were to rank them, uh, I, I still, I mean, like SEC, best team in the country. ACC, best team in the country. I, I think the Big Tens, uh, Big 12 is somewhere right around third. I, I honestly, I honestly would rank them at this point. I believe I would rank from top to bottom. I would put the Big 12 over the Big Ten, the Big 12 over the uh, Pac-12. So around three in the Power Five. That's okay. that's and, me. And I think that's a fair assessment. The the unfair thing here is when you start comparing the elite teams. And I believe the Big Twelve has one elite team. I believe the S the ACC has one elite team. And I think the SEC is where it gets a little bit muddy. You might say one. I might say two. Pac-12 zero. Big Ten potentially one as well. And so when we begin to look at the upper echelon of these, it's heavily weighted in the SEC's favor. But I do agree with you, Big 12 making a case, solidifying themselves really for me at number three, but making a case for number two. All right, so let's talk about the SEC because you brought that up. We'll we'll transition to our next topic here. SEC owns half of the top ten uh, with uh, Alabama, LSU, but is Auburn, it warranted as well? Uh, You're Florida ask me and Georgia. And no. no, no, no. Here's what I'm gonna say. Al- um, Florida. So now I lost my. I lost track. Alabama, Georgia, LSU are two, three, and four. Uh, Auburn is eight, and Florida is nine. Auburn, the Auburn Tigers, the number eight team in the country, three and zero oh on the season. You got people talking about Bob Stoops going there. The biggest <laughs> booster in Alabama is saying, look, if Auburn doesn't beat the Crimson Tide this year, I'm going after Bob Stoops. Thoughts on that? I think it's a little bit ludicrous for starters. Um, Bob Stoops obviously stepped away from college football, and he has his reasoning. Uh, Pro League approached him. To get some notable names, I don't know that it was ever a I'm in it for the long term. It was to bring those notable names up in a familiar location. Bob Stoops heavily recruited in the state of Texas and more specifically the DFW Metro. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's an unfamiliar area for him to live in or to work in for nine months out of the year and then return home. We know that he's built a home here in Oklahoma. In fact, I mean, if you're brave enough, you can see that thing from I-35. It's it's not like it's hard to find, but you could knock on the door, I'm sure. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I just yeah, wouldn't yeah, do that. Yeah, Anywho, um, I think it's a little bit ludicrous. Um, this isn't an, an Auburn team who has had their fair share of ups and downs. They are a historically rich program as well. But when you look at Gus Malzahn, when you look at them having a first-year starter, in fact, a freshman, Bo Nix, at the quarterback, they go in, they beat Oregon to start the season. I think to say one game matters more than the rest is a little bit insane. It's kind of like the, the fact when I had first started attending the University of Oklahoma football games, the big thing there was for Les Miles to beat Oklahoma 
and then he knew that his, his job was secure. Mm-hmm. I found that to be asinine is the best word I can think to describe that. But when I look at one game carrying so much weight, I get the the rivalry. I get the in-state nature of it. But let's let's take a step back and look at the big picture. Are you competitive? Are you consistently competing for an SEC championship or at least your your side of the conference? Are you at least competing for a spot in that championship on a yearly basis? And if if the answer is yes, why would you throw that away? That's no, I, where yeah. I – and I'm not saying – this is no slight to Bob Stoops because we know we've seen his track record. But why throw that competitive nature away in this rise? In fact, they've even got a, a, a national championship. What was that, past 10 years at least? Yeah, Cameron uh, Cam, Cam Newton. Newton. But mm-hmm. here's the thing, and, and you hit this on the head. To me, it, this, this, uh, this is the epitome of the little brother syndrome. You know, again, number 18 in the country, you're 3-0, and but if you can't beat Alabama, if you can't beat Big Brother, we're replacing you. It, it is that Mike Gundy, OSU mm. mentality where, you know, Oklahoma State fans, hey, Mike Gundy's done a good job, all right? Has he done a great job? Not really, but he's done a good job. I beg he, the difference. He's, he's beaten Oklahoma. Uh, he won one Big 12 conference title. But, I mean, look, if you're Oklahoma, who do you, you don't want to lose to Texas. You really don't care about Oklahoma State, okay? That's not your big game. If you're Oklahoma State, your big game is always going to be Oklahoma. It's the little brother syndrome, and you're seeing this with Auburn, okay? We we are number eight in the country. We can't talk about that. We're undefeated with a big win over Oregon. We can't talk about that. What is our biggest booster talking about? Uh, Alabama. And, and, and I, I like – now, here's the thing. With Bob Stoops, I thought 100% the Bob Stoops would never coach again in, in the collegiate level, all right? Mm-hmm. But I saw two quotes from Bob Stoops that kind of made me go, hmm. One of them was – well, both of them are directly in regards of this, okay? Bob Stoops says when asked about it, he says, well, we'll see. I, I believe when I stepped away, if I wanted to continue to coach in college, I would have stayed at Oklahoma. I just felt I had run my course there. Not, not run my course in college football, but I had run my course there, and, you know, I just needed some time and space of my own. And I got that. He got the time. He got the space he needed that caused him to walk away. And he says, right now, I'm excited about the adventure going into the XFL, starting from scratch, is really exciting as well. So he's clearly focused on that. But there's another quote that came out just tonight. On um, Bob Stoops did a, um, a an interview uh, on uh, 105.3 The Fan, uh, specifically about the Auburn rumors, and he says this, I, it's ridiculous. I would never, ever speak with anybody that had an existing head coach. There's nothing to talk with, about with me. He didn't say I would never speak to anybody. I'm done. And, and none of these quotes did Bob Stoops say I'm done with the college game. I, it kind of, to me, it leaves the door open for Bob Stoops to maybe one day get back into college coaching, which is something I didn't think he would ever do. But here's the other thing. As long as Drake Stoops is on the sidelines at the University of Oklahoma, I don't think Bob Stoops is coaching anywhere else. Because I think one of the sacrifices he made as the head coach was watching his sons grow up and play football. And I think he's really enjoying (laughs) seeing Drake play for the University of Oklahoma. Isaac is is a, is a, a receivers coach on the high school level. So he's he's right. investing in his kids right now. But 
couple more years down the road, Drake's gone. I maybe I, I, I guess what I'm saying is there's more of a chance now. I think Bob Stoops would get back into coaching on the collegiate level than there was than I thought there was six months ago. And that may very well be the future for Bob Stoops. And there's nothing wrong with that. We've seen that in several instances, Urban Meyer being the most recent of those to step away from a very successful program, only to rejoin a powerhouse in a completely different conference. Can you imagine, though, here's Bob Stoops who consistently talked poorly or talked down upon, not poorly, down upon the SEC and the defense that everyone so highly touted there, joining an SEC program in the midst of the SEC, beginning to adopt the spread offense. Talk about a Bob Stoops in that situation. Oh, I think it'd be fun. I mean, again, I, I, Bob Stoops has no problem with the SEC. I, you look at his record, his record says it. Um, but um, I, I did, I'm, what I'm saying is I don't think – if they fire Gus Malzahn this season – Bob Stoops, I don't, in my opinion, he's not going there. If they fire Gus Malzahn next season, Bob Stoops is not going there. As long as his son is playing football at the University of Oklahoma, I do not believe he's going to coach at any other institution. Right now, he can watch his son play football. He can watch his son coach football. And then in the spring, when his sons are off, he can go coach in the XFL. It is the best of both worlds for Bob Stoops. And he can almost rebrand himself in the XFL as well, which will only cause his stock to rise, both in the pro circuit and in, in college. I don't think he's going to Auburn. If you made me bet, I would bet he's not going to Auburn. But what I would say is that I think the door is a little bit more open than what I initially thought it was going to be when he when he stepped away from the University of Oklahoma. We're going to take our final time out. He's Rich. I'm Matt. You listen to the Sooner Nation podcast. Big 12 conference play begins this weekend. Two games we want to talk about specifically. They're pretty big games. We'll be right back. Okay, Rich, uh, Big 12 conference play uh, gets underway this weekend. Only two teams have conference games this weekend, but they're pretty big conference games. So I want to um, go through the Big 12 rundown uh, with you and, and talk really about both of these conference games and kind of see your thoughts. Um, let, let's start off going to the Big 12. We'll, we'll go with the non-conference games first. Iowa State, uh, Louisiana Monroe, Cyclones to me are, are going to be 2-1, uh, and one, get back above 500 after this game. Any reason that you think otherwise? No, I just believe it's a time for them to regroup, kind of identify who they want to be, and move forward within that defined identity. Yeah, I think the Cyclones win this game comfortably. Um, I, I don't think... Um, you know, we saw obviously some struggle against Northern Iowa. We saw them play Iowa State a little bit better than um, than what we supposed that they would. They, uh, I think they covered. I think they were a two point underdog and lost by one. So that's good for them. I, I think they win this game comfortably. TCU, SMU, kind of a crosstown clash uh, with these guys in in the metro area. Um, I, I think this is going to be a close game. I've been high on TCU. We talked about defense. I think I, I looked at on my analysis of this game. I think this is less than a field goal. Nope, I disagree. You disagree? <laughs> okay. Yeah, like I said, and it goes back to the reasoning why I think TCU is considered a dark horse candidate here in the Big 12 Conference. It's that ability for the defense to adapt. They may not have the biggest name stars, mm-hmm. but they always find a way to rattle a quarterback to get into the backfield. And the best way. 
I, I hate using this analogy because two different sports, a coach at a university that we, we may not like so much, but Shaka Smart was known for this havoc style of defense and it kind of spread. I see that being employed here in the NFL. NFL in the college football ranks as well. It's becoming more and more about those turnovers. We're seeing that with Alex Grinch. He's just one in what I believe to be a long line of successors who will adopt that ideology. However, Gary Patterson kind of invented it. That's why I don't know that that we're going to see a lot of success out of SMU. I'm not saying it's it's going to be. You've got a two point score prediction. Yeah, I'm looking you, you over cheated, your shoulder you cheated. here. But here's here's where I'm saying is it's probably going to be 10 to 13 for me. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to come back and talk <laughs> about that next week. Um, okay, so uh, Baylor at Rice. Baylor Rice is the the um, the final non conference game of the season uh, of, of the week for a Big 12. Comfortable win for Baylor, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for multiple sure. three touchdowns plus for, for Baylor. Sure. All right, so let's let's talk about uh, the big game, and then we'll talk about the second big game. Both Big 12, in my opinion, both big – well, let's talk about the second big game first. Both of these game, conference games are huge, huge implications. You got Kansas, Oklahoma uh, – Kansas, West Virginia. Loser's going to be number 10 in the power rankings next week. No doubt about it. This is it. If you want out of the cellar, you go to Kansas Jayhawks. You want out of the cellar, you got to beat West Virginia. Oklahoma State, Texas – I mean, you're talking about a first game draw in the Big 12 – one of these guys is going to, after week one of Big 12 conference play, you're kind of behind the chains already. Huge, huge game. Um, West Virginia, Kansas, who you got? Uh, that, one's, that one's an extremely tough game to call, to predict. One, because of the inconsistencies that we've seen from both of these teams. More specifically, I'm looking at West Virginia, where that quarterback play, I, I know – Quarterbacks can have just a complete heyday on any given any given night. Trevor Knight, for example, against Alabama. I see what you did there. Yeah. Trevor Knight, for example, biggest game of his life was against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Needless to say, is one of these quarterbacks or is a player in general going to have that kind of a night? I just don't know. I think if Kansas decides to run the ball and they find some success – doing that and they can run this clock and keep their defense off the field. They've got a good shot, but West Virginia is in the same boat. To me, that one's just going to be a coin toss. I, I'm just going to pick West Virginia for family ties, but it's a coin toss for no, me. No, I've got West Virginia as well. I, and here's what was most impressive about that win last week for the Mountaineers. Now I'm not, I'm not sliding Kansas winning out Boston college at all, but West Virginia's win, they, they found defense somehow. They, that was, that, that was a defensive inspired win for the Mountaineers you're, you're, you're playing a Jayhawks team that's still going to be limited offensively. I, I like the Mountaineers by a couple scores here. I think it's going to be close through the first two quarters, maybe even midway through the third quarter. But I think defense becomes the difference here, and you see West Virginia pull away uh, in the second half of that game. Texas, Oklahoma State mm-hmm. in Austin. Um, big, big game for the Cowboys. Big, big game for the Longhorns. Longhorns have already lost one game. Now, we know from past experience – you can lose one game and still make it into the college football playoff. You can't lose two if you're from the Big 12. So this game not only would put Texas behind the chains that we're talking about in conference play, but essentially it would eliminate, in my opinion, Texas from college football playoff conversation, which would make a lot of prognosticators upset who picked Texas to not only win the Big 12, but to represent the Big 12 in the college football playoff. 
Oklahoma State, I think, can challenge them. I, I think what you look, you mentioned Shuba Hubbard, you mentioned the running game. I think you, you look at Tylen Wallace. There's two defensive backs that are out for Texas. I don't know how big of a contributors they were going to be other than providing depth. Tylen Wallace, one of the best receivers in the Big 12. We saw Texas surrender a ton of yards to LSU. Here comes another explosive offense. This was LSU's first year at being that spread offensive attack. Now you're bringing in a guy who has been coaching the spread offensive attack you know, for a decade. I like Oklahoma State to have some success here and to move the ball. But on the flip side, I saw um, I saw Tulsa just have a second quarter where they scored three touchdowns by running the ball. Oklahoma State was able to adjust in the second half and, and really kind of say, okay, there, there's this one guy right here. We got to stop him, and we stopped the Tulsa offense. Well, that one guy for Texas is Sam Ellinger, and I don't know how Oklahoma State stops him with his multi um, multi facet of an offense. The guy can run, the guy can pass. I like Texas in this game by a slim margin. I've got the Longhorns 37-31. I think there'll be a lot of points scored. I think it'll be a fun game to watch. Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily have a score prediction, but I do expect this game to be close through three quarters. Unfortunately for Oklahoma State, it's going to be a talent level mm. issue as we see kind of the the strength. We see this talent pool that Texas has in comparison to what Oklahoma State has begin to take over depth wise because in the fourth quarter, as people begin to wear down, Texas will have some success. You've mentioned it, Sam Ellinger, the ability to run, the tenacity that he has and really sets the example for the rest of this program, despite them not having a running back. I think the fourth quarter, they have some success running the ball and it's it's designed quarterback runs. But I think ultimately that will be the decision maker. It will be what decides the game, forcing Oklahoma State to have to make with a young quarterback, take some risks. And those risks are what's going to hurt them. I, I, like I said, don't have a score prediction, but I think it's a 10-point game. Well, And I, I think, you know, you that's the nail on the head is the, the inexperience of Spencer Sanders. Biggest game of Spencer Sanders' collegiate career mm-hmm. right here. Big, big-time atmosphere. Texas understands the importance of this game. Oklahoma State understands the importance of this game. Pressure is all around, but you've got a third-year quarterback against a, a quarterback playing its fourth game. I mean, I, I think that's what I, I think it's closer than 10. I really I think it's within a touchdown for three quarters. Yeah, no, I think it's within a touchdown at the end of the game. Uh, we'll have to just compare our scores. <laughs> um, so now we both we both agree Texas is going to win. Now, mm-hmm. as an Oklahoma fan, as a fan of the University of Oklahoma, who are you cheering for to win in this game? Neither of them. <laughs> someone, someone has they to can win. Both lose. Someone has to win. Yeah, the who reality, do you want to win? the reality here is. We have plenty of friends who are Oklahoma State fans, and I can get behind them and pat them on the back and say, job well done. I don't know anyone who's a Texas fan. Oh, I do. Well, I'm sorry. No, I do. I I, I, some, of, some of them are really good guys. I don't know anyone. Okay, let me rephrase that. I don't know anyone who's an open. They may be closet Texas nah, fans. I, do I don't know, one know of those anyone well. who's I know a very open. prominent one of those. Yeah, but we're not going to mention any names <laughs> Very here. prominent. I, I don't know anyone who <laughs> is an open Texas feed. Literally, I'm racking my brain, and I, com- I I can't come up with a single name. So if I'm going to cheer for someone, Texas can lose for the remainder of the season, and I would be okay with that. I mean, they've already lost to LSU. That was the one that I wanted mm-hmm. Texas to win because I despise LSU oh, just no, as much as I despise no, not Texas. Me. Not me. Not me. I was, I was all about uh, hold that tiger that night. 
Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, Oklahoma State loses this game. You're going to hear, hey, Spencer Sanders is young. Offensive line is developing. Defensive second year, a new defensive coordinator. If this is a close game, which I think it is, Oklahoma State loses, and there's going to be a lot of positives that come out of this because that's kind of the Oklahoma State MO. We're going to find the positive in the loss. Texas loses. It will be complete chaotic meltdown with people calling for Tom Herman's job and Texas fans saying, well, we're still better than you guys because we won the Sugar Bowl last year. I, I just that, – that meltdown of Texas fans after a loss, having that in two times in three weeks, that is, that is just rich. I, I cheer for that moment. I will happily be wrong if Texas loses this game. I'm picking the Longhorns by six, but I will happily be wrong if they lose. I will not at all be disappointed that I missed this prediction um, because I just that the Texas meltdown would be uh, a ton of fun. Hey, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, there is no weekend podcast this weekend. Uh, Oklahoma not playing, so obviously that leaves us no Oklahoma football game to recap. We'll be back on midweek next week to preview Oklahoma, Texas Tech. Alan Bowman, by the way, out for the Red Raiders uh, indefinitely. So uh, Oklahoma kind of, you almost say, catches a break there, but they were struggling with Alan Bowman at the helm at Arizona already. So um, anyway, uh, no podcast midweek, but we'll be back next week. Have a, uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy your time. Enjoy college football. Boomer Sooner.